because I'm the president of the company and you are a towel. You're a towel. What is wrong with trying to protect our business? Because weed isn't supposed to be some money-grabbing business model. It's a gift from God and not something to be exploited by some stupid towel. I am not a towel. Yeah. Yeah, sure thing, Randy. You're not a towel. What's this Lieutenant Hurwitz. Severe shell shock. Thinks he's Ethel Merman. You'll be swell. You'll be great. Gonna have the whole world on a plate. Start here. Start now. Honey, everything's coming up. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Johnny Drip, and welcome to another edition of the Views from the John podcast, this time for your Thursday, November 7th, 2019. How you doing? Good. I am glad to hear it. You know what's coming this Sunday? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday! This coming Sunday. I don't know the date. I don't. Today's what? It's Wednesday afternoon. I'm recording this for you folks for Thursday morning, and then it comes Friday, and then the next day is Saturday, and then the next day on Sunday, maybe the 10th or 11th, Rick and Morty, season four. I cannot wait. I am as excited as um, a pedophile heading to Epstein Island or a child on Christmas morning, right? Rick and Morty. If you've never seen it, I feel sorry for you. If you don't like it, I don't like you. <laughs> um, I even showed my elderly parents the Meeseeks episode from season one. And um, they're very uh, old school. My dad got a kick out of it. My mom, however, did not. I think her eyes were kind of shut in her mouth, uh, you know, her, her hand over her mouth for the whole episode. But... Uh, if you don't know Rick and Morty, I don't know how to explain it to you. It's animated, yes, but it is not a cartoon like a kid's cartoon. It is an, it's an adult program that happens to be animated. It's funny, but yet it's also equally tragic. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I don't. Dan Harmon and uh, the other guy. See, this is what I talk about. Dan Harmon and the other guy who I've talked about 50 billion times, but when I go to actually pull that information off the shelf, like I said before, I get the, duh, where do I find it, Puff? Honest to God, if I try to think of my birthday, like, off the top of my head, I just, my brain can't find it. Even though it's right on the shelf behind me, I can't find it. Dan Harmon and someone else came up with Rick and Morty. I apologize that I cannot think of his name, but Rick and Morty, the best, I don't know. I don't know what to call it. I can't call it a comedy. I can't because it, it's funny, but it's also got everything else into it. Drama, science fiction. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's nuts. I love it. 
absolutely love it. I cannot get enough of it. Um, they keep teasing us with more and more trailers for the new season, and uh, it looks fucking incredible. I cannot wait to watch Rick and Morty. The season, brand new season, starts this coming Sunday, either the 10th or the 11th. I don't know. I don't know my dates. But speaking of TV, right, I was watching... Um, God, I cannot remember what station this was on or what station it's coming out on. Okay, but it's a cable network station. And it's a show, I didn't know the name of the show at first, okay? When they first started playing the commercial for this upcoming new show, I didn't catch the first five seconds of it. All I saw was there was a dude, right, standing on the end of one table while a couple other dudes dumped out this gigantic 30-foot snake onto a table. And then the dude goes and, like, smacks the snake around, right? Gets it all pissed off and then puts out his arm and lets the snake bite him right in the fucking forearm. Okay? I hate snakes. And because I hate snakes so much, I know a lot about them, right? They say uh, to keep your enemies... No, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer, right? Because you, you want to know your enemy's every move. Well, my enemy is the snake. I am scared of snakes. If you want to see me run down the street screaming like a schoolgirl, throw a fake snake at me. Or don't, okay? I do not like snakes. They creep me out. If I see a snake even on a YouTube video, even a little one, um eating a cricket or some shit. I'll freak the fuck out. And people have, you know, made me watch videos of uh, all sorts of crazy shit. Um, my God, now that I'm thinking about this, I have seen some of those videos over the summer. Not even of snakes, but other things. Uh, and the first thing that stands in my head, and this is a video I couldn't get through. It was one of the gnarliest things I've ever watched. And if you've never seen it and your stomach can handle it, when you get to a computer, even if you're on a computer, pause the podcast and go onto YouTube and search for um, Giant Centipede Eats Mouse or something like that. Type, type in Giant Centipede and Mouse, okay? There are giant centipedes that look like um, just like they are. They're like a foot or two long and they're maybe, I don't know, three, four inches thick around. They look like almost like fat little uh, slugs or snakes, but they're centipedes, right? And these centipedes are the most evil-looking, fucked-up thing I've ever seen. And people keep these as pets, right? So they'll drop a live mouse. A mouse. Now, I'm thinking a centipede's like a little, you know, like a couple inches long and might eat other insects or whatever. No. These giant fucking centipedes eat other, like, eat mammals, or not mammals, whatever fucking uh, mice are. Marsupials? Whatever. So, go on to YouTube and see if you can get through a video of a giant centipede feeding on a mouse. Because it's not like the centipede, uh, you know, pulls up a table, right? Puts the dinner cloth down in its, you know, lap and orders, you know, and then, you know, bites off a piece like a steak. No. The second that mouse gets dropped into a giant centipede cage, the centipede is on it like a fucking, from, you know, like the alien from the movie Alien, right? 
and then the centipede just doesn't like inject it with venom and then wait for it to die. The centipede like dives on the mouse's back and then like burrows into it like it's tunneling to the center of the earth while the mouse is still alive. It is the craziest shit I have ever seen, all right? So that's kind of how I view snakes. Not a fan of snakes. And what is my point of this? The point is, is there's a new show coming out on TV, on cable, a family show, and it's called Kings of Pain. And I'm not sure what this dude does, but the entire trailer for this new show called Kings of Pain was a dude letting a 30-foot snake sink his jaws into his forearm. And I could tell, because of how much I know about snakes, because of how much I hate them, it wasn't a venomous snake. Too big to be a venomous snake. The biggest venomous snakes on the planet... Well, the biggest venomous snake on the planet I know is the King Cobra. That thing is fucked up. I think the King Cobra can get up to 20, 25 feet. And you know how Cobras can, like, stand up? A King Cobra can actually stand its body up, like, 7 or 8 feet. And I've seen actual, like, uh... You know, like the, croc uh, the, like the crocodile hunter type guys, right? Go out into the woods of India looking for these giant things, right? So not only is this snake super venomous, but it's like 20 feet long. So when it stands up and it like hisses at you, it's like looking you in the eyes or it's taller than you. And, and the thing is venomous and can outrun you. There's no effing way that you could pay me any amount of money on this planet to do that, right? So, I do know that the snake was just too long and too fat to be a venomous snake. So, but regardless, the guy lets, like, what, an anaconda or a boa constrictor? Whatever kind of uh, python it was. He, he smacks the thing around, gets it pissed off, and the thing just lunges out and just sinks his three-inch fangs into the guy's forearm. And that's the whole basis of this show. It's just this guy going around and letting exotic uh, animals... Uh, bite his legs off and his arms off. I'm telling you, I don't know who is thinking of these reality shows, but they're killing it, you know? What? Were the writers out of ideas, so they just said, eh, let's take a guy, kind of like a jackass type of guy, and let's just send him around the world and let exotic creatures uh, try to kill him by biting him, right? Why stop there, right? If I was in this writing room, you know what I would do? I said, you know, I would say, why stop there, sir, right? If we're going to have a dude go around and just let animals just bite him, right? Why don't we just get it? Why don't we just, why don't we hit, why don't we go for the home run, right? Let's go for the Hail Mary. Why don't we take one of those giant combines? You ever seen the combines they use out in the Midwest United States to take down corn? It looks like a hundred foot wide and tall uh, snowblower. Why don't we just take 10 people, right? And we just march them head on into a fucking corn combine and then put that on TV. <laughs> That's what we need, right? Why are we pussyfooting around with the guy that goes and, uh, you know, gets his head chopped off by, uh, you know, different animals? Why don't we just go for the Hail Mary, right? Just march people head on into a combine. And that'll get... Uh, That'll get some great responses. Speaking of great responses, right? Netflix. I just lost all respect for Netflix. Netflix, for the longest time, they were just the innovators. They were the leaders of anything and everything content-wise, streaming-wise, um, stand-up comedy-wise. They said no 
where they said yes when everyone else said no. Like, for instance, the Duffer Brothers. Who were the Duffer Brothers? They're the ones that produced and wrote Stranger Things. When they were shopping that show around, every network said, fuck you. Netflix said, go nuts. And look what happened. That's how Netflix has been operating since day one. And look at them. They're the biggest streaming platform. They have the highest amount of respect. Uh, they've been releasing um, so many great stand-up specials, you know. Uh, they are like the pinnacle. If you are a comedian and you're looking to do a stand-up special, uh, you know, it used to be if you got a stand-up special on HBO, you made it. Stand-up special on um, Comedy Central, you made it. You get a stand-up special on Netflix, you've made it, right? Netflix was always the gold pinnacle, but Netflix just shot their entire respect in the foot. And how did they do this? Because Netflix has just bowed down to the cancel culture that wants to cancel out comedy, right? Because this day and age, everybody seems to be offended by everything, including comedy. So rather than Netflix sticking to their guns and just saying, sorry, if you're offended by a comic or a certain special, don't watch it. It's that simple. I don't like, uh, what don't I like? What kind of food don't I like? I don't like baked beans. So let's say baked beans were on today's menu. I know I don't like it. So I'm not going to eat it. So if you get offended by a certain comedian or if you get offended by comedy, don't watch it. Isn't that just the most simplistic way to do it? But here's what Netflix has done to now bow down to the cancel culture that wants to pretty much cancel comedy. Netflix has introduced a skip button for any political jokes that have to do with Trump. And it's going to start with uh, Seth Meyers' uh, new comedy uh, hour coming out on Netflix soon. And then every special comedy special that Netflix does from here on out, it's going to have a skip button. So when you're watching a Netflix comedy special, starting with Seth Meyers' new one coming out, it's going to have a special button on the screen where you can just hit Anytime he starts to talk about politics or Trump, you can hit that button and it will automatically fast forward you past that joke normally i would laugh but it's so stupid i can't i'm literally incapable of laughing at this because it's so dumb netflix you're better than this you were the gold standard for comedy but you just gave in to this cancel culture by incorporating a button so you can skip over someone's political jokes about Trump. Are you fucking kidding me? If you're going to get offended by comedy, don't watch. Or it used to be called the fast forward button, right? I don't get it, people. I don't get it. The day that we let these social justice warriors have their way when it comes to comedy, it's all done. It's all done. I don't care how crazy you think the world is. It's actually not. I talked about it almost every time in this podcast. And I spent a bunch of time on it earlier this week on Monday's podcast. But I said, 
how crazy the world is or how nuts your life is or whatever it's all perception it's all it, it's all your mindset if you want to think everyone's fucked up and crazy and the world sucks then it does if you want to change it just change your mindset okay so that's just it the day that we as humans or as humanity lose our sense of humor it's all done Does anybody remember laughter? I think Led Zeppelin said that, right? Or Robert Plant. Does anybody remember laughter? Seriously. If we cannot laugh at ourselves, or you can't laugh at yourself, or we lose our, our, our you know, humor, we're all done as a species. We're all done. Everybody's overly uptight and overly serious. And now we're going to start censoring comedy? No. No, 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 no. Let comics be comics, okay? Some comedians are going to tell jokes that might offend people in this day and age, right? Well, I think jokes have always offended certain people. So if you are the type of person that gets offended by comedy or a comedian that might touch upon a subject that's a little bit too touchy for you, then don't watch it. Don't. If you don't find Seth Meyers funny, then don't watch his Netflix special. If you don't like Bill Burr, then don't watch Bill Burr's Paper Tiger. But if you like to laugh and you like comedy, then fucking watch it. And if you don't happen to find a joke appealing or funny, then fine, you don't. We all can't find the same things appealing. But to appeal to... I don't know who Netflix is trying to appeal this to. Are people that sensitive where we need to now add in a button that's going to skip anything automatically that you find offensive, right? What's next? We're going to insert a button for, okay, so yeah. So in 2020, you watch any Netflix comedy special and there is going to be a special button you can hit that anytime that comedian starts to talk about politics or Trump, you hit the button and it will fast forward past that joke. So what's next? Is there going to be a special button coming up that if it that if a joke has to do with uh, farts, penis, or vagina, you can instantly hit that button, right? The whole screen is going to be filled with buttons, okay? Right? Any kind of joke that pops up, you can hit that button, it'll go right back. What is the point? Then don't watch it. Don't watch it. If you're offended by comedy, don't watch it. It's like people who used to complain about Howard fucking Stern. You know the guy's confrontational and he's shock jockey, right? We know it. You know it. Does anybody not know what Howard Stern's about? So if you find Howard Stern and the things he talks about offensive, don't fucking listen to him. I'm sorry. Why do we need to dumb this down? You're telling me that you want to watch Seth Meyers' stand-up special bad enough but because you enjoy a, a, a comedy special, but you can't handle him doing a joke about Trump? So you have to get Netflix to put a special button in there that you can hover over to skip past it instead of maybe not watching it or just dealing with it or fast-forwarding it? Are you fucking kidding me? This is so stupid, people. If you can't handle comedy, don't watch it. Don't. 
And Netflix just appeased these people that are trying to censor comedy by putting in a skip button for political jokes for their stand-up specials. I honestly can't even laugh at it. I can't. It is so sad. I can't laugh at it. I can't. It's sad. Netflix, you just shot all your respect in the foot. And it's funny, too, because uh, since I got word about this a few days ago, um, I've been looking. I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been fine tooth combing the social media platforms for any comic that I know has done a Netflix special or is working on one to see what their reaction is to, um, you know, when they do their new special, there's going to be a button where people can just skip over anything that they find offensive in that perk in that particular, uh, you know, comedian stand up hour. And it's funny because uh, none of the to- uh, comics are talking about it. I can't imagine they're uh, they're happy about it. I can't imagine anyone uh, not thinking the way I'm thinking that it's just absolutely crazily retarded. Oh, there's another one, John. You just said the word retarded. That's politically incorrect. You know what? Other uh, people have talked about this too. I use the word gay all the time as an adjective to describe things that aren't cool. Not one time in my life have I ever said that's gay and ever, ever, ever meant anything about homosexuality, right? But all of a sudden, they had to take that word, right? If you look up the word gay in the dictionary, it actually means happiness. You're feeling gay today. Feeling gay means you're feeling happy. But the homosexuals came along and said, hey, Gay is our word, and it's a bad word. So you can no longer say, that's gay, because it means you're homophobic. And, eh, sorry, I've been saying it's gay before it even became popular to be gay. And every time I've said, that's gay, I've never meant it was fucking homosexual. I just meant, that's uncool. It's the same thing with retarded. I have never called a mentally deficient person retarded. But when I look at a situation like Netflix adding a skip button for political jokes having to do with Trump, I say, that's retarded. Instead of, that's not cool. It's just another definition, or it's another adjective, okay, sir? To describe something that's ridiculous, okay? All right. What's next? Let's talk about Bill Belichick for a minute. Anyone know who Bill Belichick is? Bill Belichick. He is the greatest head football coach of all time. He is the coach of the New England Patriots, the most hated football team of all time. A couple weeks ago, when the Patriots were playing, uh, I think it was Cleveland, uh, the TV camera did it up close on Belichick's face, right? And the first thing I noticed on Belichick's face was that it looks like his eyebrows had never been trimmed. Some of those hairs, dude, must have been two feet long, and they were just growing in every which direction. He had the biggest rat's nest eyebrows I've ever seen. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. They're in Gillette Stadium. Robert Kraft owns Gillette. Gillette is a razor company. You mean to tell me that those people from Gillette and the Crafts, they look at Belichick every day. Nobody's mentioned him that his eyebrow game is fucked, right? So I took it upon myself to help the dude out. At the beginning of that Cleveland uh, Patriots game a few weeks ago, I hopped on the Twitter and I tweeted out 
to uh, the Patriots and to uh, Gillette to hook Belichick up with some kind of facial groomer because his eyebrow game was just, you know, not happening. And wouldn't you know it, Sunday night football, when they were playing the Ravens, they did a close-up on Belichick's face and his eyebrows are now trimmed. Was that me? Did I do that? I think I did. I think I did. What are the chances? That guy is obviously, he's what, 65, 66 years old? That guy has obviously never had an eyebrow wax, an eyebrow trim, any of it. And then I happen to tweet out to the Patriots and Gillette about the guy's eyebrows and that he should probably get hooked up with a free razor considering the Crafts own Gillette. And a week later, the guy's eyebrows looks like he just came from a friggin', uh, you know, facial. I don't know. So, uh, I don't know. I guess you can give credit where credit's due, right? You want to hear something else crazy? You might have heard about this already, but I haven't talked about it. I'm a little late to the game. But there's a guy in Nebraska that tried to use a million-dollar bill to open up a checking account. Did you get that? He tried to cash a million-dollar bill so he could open up a checking account. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many million-dollar bills are left in circulation. I know they used to have some thousand-dollar bills. There were, uh, you know, a limited run of hundred-thousand-dollar bills. They even had some bills that were five hundred and one thousand-dollar bills. Uh, but yeah, somehow this guy, he got his hands on a million dollar bill and his first thought was, I need to open up a checking account, right? So he walks into that bank in Nebraska, right? And he's feeling all good about himself. He walks up to that teller and he's like, yeah, ma'am, I'd like to open up a checking account. Okay, sir. What would you like to deposit? Well, you see, I got this million dollar bill here. And I tried to take it to the strip club, but they didn't have change. So I thought to myself, you know what? Rather than spending this money, I should deposit it in the bank. <laughs> Evidently, the guy didn't, uh, he didn't know, right? He didn't know that uh, million-dollar bills weren't, uh, weren't real. But yeah, true story. The guy thought a million-dollar bill really existed, and uh, he tried to cash it. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm wrong about that. He didn't try to cash it. He wanted to deposit it in his new checking account. Good for him, right? Instead of blowing it on a new tractor, all right, put it in the bank. Let it collect some interest. All right, what's next? What's next here? All right, I keep hearing about this, and I don't know why we do this. And maybe you can tell me why, right? Almost every night on the news, and remember, I don't watch the news, but yet I still somehow hear about it. I can't even watch the TV. There's, there's, there's a few shows I do watch on TV every week, but it's never live because I can't deal with commercials, right? I watch Emergence every week, Family Guy. American Dad, Rick and Morty, South Park, Crank Yankers, 
every night, David Spade lights out sometimes some Kimmel, right? Those are the shows I watch on a daily or weekly basis, but I do not watch them live. I can't. I cannot deal with fucking commercials. I can't. I think commercials are stupid. Has anyone ever seen a commercial and just ran right out and bought it? You know, do we really need another Bud Light commercial? Does anybody forget that fucking Budweiser is out there? Do we need to see the Geico Gecko or fucking Flow one more time? Has anybody forgot that they can save 15%, right? Why do we need commercials? But that's not what I'm about, okay? Even though I don't watch the news because I can't stand it because half of it's bullshit and the other half is blown out of fucking proportion, I keep hearing about the nationwide opiate epidemic. The fucking opiate epidemic. The epidemic of fucking opiates. Right? The opiate epidemic. Says who? Who is saying there is an opiate epidemic? I'm not saying there's not an opiate epidemic. But why do we selectively pick out one thing at a time and then call it an epidemic? Is heroin and pain pill fucking pushing doctors exist absolutely are there people out there that are strung out and hooked out by the millions on heroin absolutely however why is it we are focused on the opiate epidemic as the headline when there aren't there other epidemics that have never went away wasn't there a crack epidemic that is still happening there's more people I know right now on fucking cocaine than there is heroin. Why don't why aren't we calling for a cocaine epidemic? Where is the alcohol epidemic? Where is the cigarette epidemic? There are epidemics all around us. But why the past 3 years every day without fail even though I don't pay attention or watch the news, I hear it said somewhere that we're in a fucking opiate epidemic. Okay, maybe we are, but why are we focused on opiates? Alcohol is an epidemic. Cigarettes is an epidemic. Trump and racism is a fucking epidemic. There are epidemics everywhere. Why are we focused on opiates? Why are we selective? I think every drug is an epidemic. Okay, I get it. Heroin is a bad drug. Doctors used to push painkillers on people like they were fucking candy. And then the epidemic hit, the doctors took the painkillers away, or the state did, and then everyone out, everybody went out and got heroin. And I've never tried heroin. I will never try heroin. Thank fucking Christ. But I tell you, does anybody need to be reminded that if you try it, you're fucking your life up forever? Artie Lang. If anybody loves and knows Joe Rogan like I do, right? Joe Rogan, best podcaster on the planet, best interviewer on the planet. He flew out this week to New York City, and um, I want to say it was, it was either Monday or Tuesday of this week. Um, he did a podcast, recorded it live in a rentable podcast studio in New York City, and he had Artie Lang on. Artie Lang... I hope you guys know who Artie Lang is. He's been he's been in the comedy game for 35 years. 
he became a drug addict at 11 years old, and he's been nine months sober. And he's never been sober for nine months since he hit 11 years old. And his interview this week on Joe Rogan was pretty much just focused on him telling his story about his drug use, which started at age 11 and then just snowballed out of control for the rest of his career. I think everybody should have to watch that interview. In case you didn't know how destructive drugs are, especially heroin, and how hard it is to kick it if you do try it, watch his interview. It was disgusting. Disgusting in a good way. To hear about what that man went through just to appease his body's addiction to heroin and cocaine and everything else he was addicted to. It's sad. It's fucked. But Artie's own words, okay, out of all the drugs he's tried, he said if he hears of anybody that's even thinking of trying heroin, he would fucking tackle them. Okay? Does anybody need to be reminded of that? Why would anybody, anybody, I don't care if you lose everything today and you've lost all hope in your life, do you need to be reminded that if you touch it, you're done? I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I truly don't get it. And I think it's absolutely tragic and it's sad that, especially in this day and age, where I cannot, for the life of me, figure out how somebody somewhere wouldn't know the dangers of drugs. Or even alcohol, for that matter. And that's what drives me crazy, too. Alcohol is the number one reason for domestic violence. Domestic violence is the number one killer of women and police officers. And you know where 99.9% .9 of domestic violence gets started? Alcohol! I nearly was killed. I talked about it once before in this podcast. I almost lost my life in 2001 to a drunk driver. Me. I was just driving home from work. This woman was driving all hopped up on alcohol and whatever fuck else. Look how many people alcohol and cigarettes kill. But they're both legal. Alcohol and cigarettes are killing and fucking with more families and people in this country than fucking heroin. Or opiates, rather. But we say opiates are an epidemic but we continue to allow alcohol in cigarettes to be legal. Can you see what this is all about, people? Can you see through the bullshit? I can, crystal clear. I don't know why you can. So when I hear people saying there's an opiate epidemic, I'm like, okay, yeah, there is. Opiates are a fucking epidemic. It seems like everybody is zombied out on some kind of fucking opiate. Whether you got it from Dr. fucking Phil or got it from friggin' Dr. Evil around the corner, right? But, if you have any street smarts, you realize that there's just as many people out there doing cocaine on the weekends as there is heroin. There's more people killing themselves and killing other innocent people drinking, which has been legal since, what, the prohibition ended in the 20s? And then you got cigarettes. 
How fucking addictive and destructive are cigarettes? But they're not... See, this is... This is... This is what doesn't make sense to me, people. And it will never make sense. Can you figure it out, sir? Because I would love to know. I would love to know. I would love to know why we selectively cancel shit out. That we selectively call this an epidemic. But we sweep this under the rug because it happens to be legal. You know? I don't get it. So is there an epidemic happening in this country in regards to painkillers, pain pills, and heroin? Yes. But is there an epidemic with cocaine? Yes. Is there an epidemic with legal things like uh, whatever the doctors push these days? I, you know, I call them anti-life pills. You had a bad day at work? Take this pill. It'll make you fucking not give a fuck about anything. You're depressed that your husband or wife left you? Take this pill. It'll make you happy and not care about anything, right? It's the doctors. The doctors, right? Doctors are the new fucking drug dealer. Doctors are the pill pushers. Doctors will push this shit on us, right? Then they'll come and say it's an epidemic. They'll take it away. And then they'll make you start to hit the streets to get the shit that's not legal to to now deal with your dependency on whatever they fucking gave you. This is kind of what happened with opiates. And it's uh, it's not the doctor's fault. It's not the uh, manufacturer's fault. It's not the drug uh, dealer's fault, right? It's just, it's an epidemic and it's nobody's fault. But yet, like I'm saying, people, why are we so focused on opiates as being the epidemic when there's other epidemics too? Why don't we say the drug epidemic? Or why don't, I don't know. I guess what I'm looking for never happen is the day that they come out and start to threaten that they are going to um, cancel out alcohol. I want to see this whole country just go nuts when they talk about how they're going to ban alcohol. Because I, I, I'm not a big drinker. I don't. Do I have the occasional, you know, Jack Daniels glass of wine, whatever? Yeah. But I don't drink anymore. I don't drink to get drunk or to get buzzed. I enjoy a glass of red wine with a steak or some pasta, right? I enjoy a icy chilled glass of Jack Daniels, right? But I'm really not into getting buzzed or getting drunk. If I drink a glass of wine, it's for the taste of it. I'm drinking coffee right now. Am I drinking coffee because I need to get woke up? No, I'm wide to fucking wake. I drink coffee because I enjoy the taste of it, right? Just like there's people out there that enjoy the smell of cocaine, and that's why they do it. I can't, uh, I can't claim that one. That's an old joke, and I don't know who said it, but fucking brilliant. I don't like cocaine, I just like the way it smells. <laughs> but anyways, yes, I want to see, I want to see alcohol made illegal somewhere. I want to see it. I want to see all these people that can't wait to get out of work and come home, drink a fucking 30-pack of Bud Light, and then beat their wife up every night. I want to see what happens in this country if we were to make alcohol illegal. What? We're going to have we're gonna have the moonshiners again, right? That's how NASCAR got started, right? They had to have faster cars to outrun the police when they were driving down the road with their fucking illegal moonshine, right? Let's see that come back, right? Honestly, God, I would love to see people flip the fuck out if we were to go and ban alcohol. Just everybody across the board. But I would love to see the outcome. 
I would love to see the outcome because you know what will happen? Everybody will stop drunk driving. There'll be no more drunk driving deaths. People won't lose loved ones because some idiot just had to fucking have 20 beers after he was done with a fucking roof, right? While he's playing fucking Kino. Uh, honest to God, people. Seriously. If we were to all of a sudden make alcohol illegal in this country, every domestic dispute, gone. Every drunk driving death and arrest, gone. Just gone. All of it. But unfortunately, we can't have that, right? Because... You know, I'm sure the people that own big alcohol, right, probably uh, do a little bit of contributing to, uh, you know, Washington. We can't have it. Well, alcohol's been an acceptable form of... Really? That's okay? Just because it's been an acceptable form of, uh, you know, social tradition since the dawn of the whatever that makes it okay i'm telling you if you're sitting there listening to this right now saying oh you're fucking crazy i love my bud i can't wait to have a budweiser on the weekends yeah well i hope sir that you never have to lose a loved one because they were hit and killed by a drunk driver i really hope you don't have to experience that because i was nearly killed by a drunk driving bitch okay and when that happens to you Okay, you're going to take a look at alcohol and be like, why the fuck is this legal? Look at the pro... Just talk to any cop in America and ask him what percentage of um, dangerous calls do they go out on? What percentage of incooperate people are on or under the influence of alcohol? And it's going to be 100%. Every time you've ever dealt with somebody who's loud belligerent, just acting like a complete asshole. Are they sober? Or are they high on marijuana? Or are they fucking drinking? And it's drinking. Drinking turns people into complete fucking morons. And it is responsible for more bullshit in this country than any drug combined. But yet we all toasts our glass at night to it, right? But yet opiates it's a fucking epidemic so there you go am i saying it's not an epidemic no it's definitely an epidemic big time however what i'm trying to say is that cocaine is also an epidemic right now crack is also an epidemic right now cigarettes are an epidemic right now alcohol in this country is a fucking epidemic equal to if not greater than opiates well wait a minute alcohol but it's all but it's legal does that make a fucking difference sir look at the facts look at everything i just said about alcohol it's all true alcohol causes so many of this country's problem but we've let it stay legal for fucking ever Let's, let's try taking it. See, I don't know. I would just I would just love it. I love it. I like to poke sticks at people that are easily offended, easily broken, because it entertains the fuck out of me.
And I just know people would lose their fucking minds if we took their fucking Budweiser away. You mean to tell me I'm going to have to watch the fucking NASCAR and I can't have a Budweiser? People would lose their fucking minds over alcohol. Try taking a night off tonight, sir. I think your wife's face could probably, you know, use the rest, okay? God, I hate it. I really do. I hate it. Well, this over here is an epidemic, right? But this over here is not, because this one's legal and this one isn't. And this comedian's okay, but this one's... Alright, so I was going through some old stuff the other day, right? I was looking for something, and I went into some boxes up in the attic, and I found something. What did I find? What did you find in the attic, John? You know what I found? I found VHS tapes. What's that? Exactly. What the fuck is a VHS tape? Do kids even know what a, what a, v, uh, what a VHS tape was, or what a VCR was, or is? Remember those days? The video store? All the stickers that said, be kind, rewind. Remember that? They would actually charge you a fee if you didn't rewind the movie. <laughs> Remember that? And then, like, right next to the register at the movie store, there'd be this, like, uh, like toy car-looking thing. But in actuality, it was just like a, like a tape rewinder. But just think about the laziness factor of that. Like, when there was actual VCRs out and people would rent movies. You couldn't take the the minute and a half it took to hit that one rewind button so when you brought it back to the store the clerk didn't have to do it or that you wouldn't get charged an extra dollar you you know you really couldn't just hit that one button on the remote that said rewind and then wait an hour and a half for it and then people got all worried that you know if they rewound too many videotapes in their VCR, it would make their $300 VCR obsolete, so they had to buy a separate little device that would just rewind. <laughs> uh, thinking back to it, it was so stupid. But yeah, you would get charged a fee if you didn't rewind the tape. And then my favorite, my favorite, um, Blockbuster's when blockbusters took over and it made the you know mom and pop the local video stores obsolete this little thing i'm about to talk about next disappeared but back when you could only rent movies and there were video stores and blockbuster didn't exist uh, anybody of my age probably remembers this but you probably remember the uh, the adult section of your local video store and i remember i remember being a kid in the video stores before Blockbuster was around and they got rid of that adults-only section. I remember going into those video stores with my dad and I saw that fucking adults-only section. And every time we'd go into a video store, he'd try to hide it, but he would go into that fucking room. I saw him. At first, I didn't know what that room was. All I knew is I wasn't allowed back there, right? And then at a certain age, I learned how to read and I could read that it was adults-only and I didn't quite know what was back there, but... You know, like the doors, almost uh, some of the, uh, you know, like the video stores, uh, the actual entrance into the adult section, it wasn't totally covered. You know, some of them had those like swinging doors like you'd find in like an old saloon, like in a Western, 
right? Someone just had like a curtain. And as a kid, you could kind of walk by real slow and you'd kind of get, you know, like a like a sideways view of like, uh, you know, butt fuckers too or <laughs> whatever the fuck it was. But honest to God, every time I went to the video store with my dad, he would try to hide it the best he could, but I he would end up in that adult backroom section <laughs> and he would try to go and he would try to pretend like he didn't go in there while I pretended like I was trying to pick out you know stand by me or whatever in the fucking kids section and then it was what around 1999 I guess that DVDs came out and then scratches became an issue you know you'd get home and pop in the disc and it would freeze halfway through and then you'd eject the disc and you'd find a giant set of fucking fingerprints or scratches on it. And it was always like, what the fuck? It's like, how hard is it to just not put your fingerprints on a disc? That, that's the other thing I wouldn't get, right? So back when there was VCR tapes, you'd get home and you'd put the VCR tape in. And you'd realize that the person that had the tape before you couldn't couldn't take the time out of their day to hit a button to rewind it so now you had to rewind to rewind it right and then the dvds came out and the blu-rays came out and you'd go rent one of those you'd you'd you know make that popcorn pour yourself a glass of soda kick up your feet press play then eh, 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 right the fucking video would freeze you'd be like, now what and you take the video out and you got all these scratches and thumbprints all over the disc and it's like holy shit people does it how i never understood it i've never i have never in my life ever put a scratch or a fingerprint onto a cd a dvd or a blu-ray well why is that why because it's so easy not to why do you need to grab a disc where it, where the ray where the laser hits it to play you can hold on to the edges or put your finger through the middle hole that's what it's for why do we need to grab it with your greasy chicken grease fingerprints and then put it in your dvd player so then i have to get home and then wipe that shit off but you know that's what i keep saying people ruin everything out of laziness so yeah and then it was like uh, <laughs> the scratches on it and shit too. I mean, how do you scratch up a DVD? I don't get it. I could see your fat, lazy, chicken-greased, pizza-greased fingers, right? Grabbing that disc by the middle, okay? Because you're too fucking lazy. But how do you scratch the fuck out of a DVD? What are you trying to put it in the DVD player and you, you know you're like blind you you know you you know <laughs> I don't get it. There's a tray that slides out and you just put the disc down and then the tray slides back in. Nothing needs to touch the bottom of it including your fingerprints. But yet every disc I would rent would have 20 fingerprints on it and 30 scratches. And I'm like Who's doing this? Is there somebody that's that bad with a disc that they just can't, like, you know? Holy fuck. But yeah, VHS tapes and, v and, and VCRs. I mean, my God. I really don't know if a kid under the age of, like, 10 or 15 would have any idea 
what a VHS tape or a VCR would even look like, or the concept of it, which is just crazy to me. It's crazy. Growing up is crazy, man. It really is. Um, but I tell you, I did have that thought even before they came out with uh, everything streaming. I, you know, I thought to myself, um, kind of like Spotify or even, you know, uh, why couldn't they make a video on demand service where we could just pick from any movie ever made through our TV sets and, and, and have that, that is a technology I swear on my life. I thought about before they came out with it. Um, it just seemed like the next step in evolution. And sure enough, that's where we are now. Uh, there are no more VCRs, VHS tapes. Um, even the brand new laptop I have doesn't even have a CD or DVD player. Um, it's just obsolete. Um, I do happen to have a Blu-ray player um, for my TV because I, I do own a bunch of Blu-rays, but everything's digital now, you know? So even if I wanted to watch a movie uh, on my laptop, I can't because it, it literally does not have a built-in Blu-ray player even. Um, so it, it's just, it's crazy how quickly technology changes. But um, yeah, I had that idea way back then. So you see, just like Al Gore invented the internet, I invented streaming movies. What else did I invent? I don't think I invented anything. Actually, I'll tell you what I did invent. This is a story that I actually didn't mark down in my notes here. You probably hear this paper, right? You hear that? When is your whole show scripted? No! I just have a, some topics written down, like a sentence, so I don't forget. Remember how forgetful I am? If I don't have this piece of paper that tells me that I'm on the views from the John podcast and what the date is, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't even know why I'm talking to this microphone, right? Unless I have this paper to remind me what my show is called and what it's about. I don't know. And I've noticed I've talked for, what, about 53 minutes? God, time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? And I'm noticing that there's some topics that I'm I'm not going to be able to get to. I can't. No listener mail today. No talking about uh, live PD. No talking about the Black Lives Matter movement. You probably, probably what, 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 what? You were going to talk about Black Lives Matter? Yeah, I was. I was going to talk Black Lives Matter. And that, I know, is probably a touchy subject. So when you probably just heard me say Black Lives Matter, you probably did that one of those, whoa, 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 what? Yeah, I'm going to talk about Black Lives Matter. And you're probably thinking, oh, John, you're on dangerous ground right now. I know this is a talk show and it's supposed to be comical, but you can't touch Black Lives Matter. Well, sorry. If you follow me and you follow my podcast, you'll know I am about the most unracist person on the planet. And I love my black people. I love the African Americans. I love you. I'm not racist. So, am I a stand-up comedian? Like I said, it depends who you ask. But just because I'm going to be talking about Black Lives Matters doesn't mean I'm going to make fun of it, right? I keep telling you people, all right? 
that what I'm trying to do here, I don't really think exists. I'm trying to make you smile and laugh by talking about things that might inspire you to think differently, to relax, you know, something like that, right? I don't know what, okay? But yes, I'm going to save that for another day. We're going to get into the Black Lives Matter movement because remember how I told you how so many white people around here seem to, you know, I've talked about this before and I'm, I'm just mentioning this to give you an idea of what we're going to talk about with Black Lives Matter, right? Basically, what we're going to do with Black Lives Matter is I'm going to explain Black Lives Matter's movement to people who don't understand the Black Lives Matter movement. Just like the ignorant white people out there that say, I don't have white privilege, right? I've explained to you how every white person in this country has white privilege. We didn't ask for it, but because you're white, you have it. So just deal with it. It's not your fault that you have white privilege, but you do have it because your skin is white, okay? The Black Lives Matter movement is kind of the same aspect where a lot of white people don't get it they go the black lives matter well don't all lives matter that seems racist you're not getting it just like nobody got when colin kaepernick got down on a knee and disrespected the whole country right in the national anthem everybody every fucking white person flipped out i got a brother fighting in iraq you fucking motherfucker you're gonna take a knee everybody missed the point everybody missed the point of colin kaepernick in what he did everybody just like every ignorant white person is missing the whole white privilege thing and i feel there's just too many whiteies out there right whiteies too many crackers right i can say it right cracker is a uh, is a racist term against white people i'm white right that gives me uh, free range to say it and it doesn't bother me right white people were never slaves we weren't Okay? And I'm white. So it's okay that I call myself a cracker. Okay? But there's a lot of crackers, a lot of whiteies that like to think that Black Lives Matter is a, what, racist organization? Like, like what, racist against white people? Well, Black Lives Matter will don't all lives matter. Oh my God, people. It's not about your life. Do you get it? So that's my whole point. We're going to talk about Black Lives Matters in the hopes that there's some ignorant white people listening that might hear an informed white person talk about Black Lives Matter, and then you might get it, okay? You might get the fact that white privilege isn't Tang saying anything about you, sir, or your background, or how privileged you feel, okay? Just like Colin Kaepernick and what he did didn't have anything to do with you, or your love of the country, or your patriotism, or your brother fighting in Iraq, or your sister who's a law enforcement officer. That's what everybody jumps to, with white privilege, with Colin Kaepernick, and I see too many people still to this day, even in the area in which I live in, which is extremely diverse, 
very liberal, very left, and people still, I still hear people go, you see all those Black Lives Matter signs still in people's yard? I don't get that. Well, I'm going to explain it to you people, okay? Black people seem to get it. I'm white. I get it. I get all of it. But for some reason, people don't get what Black Lives Matters is, and they think that it's it's racist saying that Black Lives Matter. So I'm going to explain that to you, but I've run out of time for today, and I will save that for another day. It'll give you something to look forward to. It'll be like going to school. And we were also going to get to some listener mail. We were going to talk about some marijuana. We were going to talk about some live TV. We were going to talk about... Uh, a really funny story I have actually. I have a lot of funny stories that I have not told that I need to probably start getting into. Um, I have so much content for this show, it's ridiculous. Um, I wouldn't, I literally wouldn't need to research another subject, and I could probably do a podcast for the next uh, three years, twice a week, and have enough material already on my phone just from personal experiences. Um, I'm 41 years old. I've been around the country several times. I get myself into a lot of different things. I've experienced a lot of different things. A lot of things people don't even know about. Things that you will find fucking fascinating. As this show progresses and as it develops, I think it's going to keep getting better. I keep getting more and more comfortable behind this microphone. I think my production is going up. Um, I think the content is getting better. Just stick with me, okay? Um, I started to pivot. I I started to pivot what I wanted to do with my life at a late age here, and you are fully along for the ride. You are along for the ride to watch me crash and burn as I try to um, become a successful um, stand-up comic, comedy writer, podcaster, producer, anything at an age of forty-one. And you're. You, you have a front row seat to me starting from day one to day whatever that day comes. And people keep telling me, you know how difficult it is? You know, and, and I get it. I get it. One day, I want to have fuck you money living in New York City or L.A. writing for the fucking Simpsons, writing for a comedy show on a like a mad TV, be getting paid Joe Rogan money for my podcast, be getting you know, touring the country, doing stand-up, any of it. If I am successful in any of it, I'll be happy. That is my end goal. But it is unbelievable the amount of people that know me that think there's just no fucking way, right? There's no way that anybody from my family or that anybody that I know could ever do something like that. Why? Why? See, and I keep I keep saying this, right? I get it. I get anybody that's out there right now that wants to be a famous stand-up comedian. It's a fucking dream, right? For a lot of us. Anybody that wants to be president, right? It's a, it's a wild dream, right? You want to be uh, a, a billionaire right? It's a, it's a wild dream. You want to be a famous actor. It's a wild, crazy dream. But the only surefire way I know that my dreams are not going to happen is if I don't try. So I'm fucking trying and I'm not going to give up.
And the more people that talk shit and think that this show sucks or that I'm not going to go anywhere, it fuels me. So please, please keep doubting me. Please keep saying that I have such a high mountain to climb if I'm going to make it out to L.A. and I'm going to do stand-up full-time and make a living out of it. I get it. I hear you fucking loud and clear. Okay? But here's the difference between you and me, sir. Okay? Is we are both standing, let's say, at sea level, and we are looking up at a mountain that's a sheer cliff 30,000 feet in the air. And at the top of that mountain is my success. Whether I'm making a good living, writing for a comedian, or I'm on my own talk show, or I'm on tour as a, as a stand-up guy, or any of it. Any of it. Even if I'm writing for F is for Family, if I'm opening up for Bill Burr, anything. I don't care if I'm producing Joe Rogan's podcast. Anything. Acting. I want to be an actor. Always wanted to be. Always. But I've always been told that's a fucking impossible dream. And I'm not Brad Pitt, right? And I'm no fucking Bill Burr, right? Well, do you think Bill Burr thought he was Bill Burr or, or whatever, you know? Tom Cruise, whatever. I mean, seriously. The chances of me making it, I get it, are slim to none, right? Everybody wants to be rich. Everybody wants to be famous. And everybody wants to do something that they love for a living. But that's just it. I don't care about the fame. I don't. I know what comes with the territory, and I'll deal with it when I deal with it. Believe it or not, I have signed autographs in my life because of the bands I've been in, a couple of which are undergroundly famous. Anyways, uh, getting back on track here. My point is, is that I want to do something fun in the entertainment realm where I can laugh all day, whether it's writing comedy whether it's acting, anything in that type of wheelhouse. I don't care about making millions. I don't care about the fame. I truly don't. If I can make enough money to just live comfortably week to week, I don't need fuck you money. I don't need the $7 million house in Los Feliz, okay? I don't. Would it be great? Fuck yeah, it would. But I don't need it. If I can pay my rent on time living in L.A., okay, and have a car, whatever, and just not have to worry about where my next meal or paycheck is coming from, and I'm working somewhere in the entertainment business, even if I'm not even on the air, I'm just writing or producing it, I'm fine with it. That is my goal. However, if I did make $10 million and I had a $5 million home and I'm dating Jennifer Aniston and I'm driving a fucking Porsche... Hey, that's great too, right? Even better. So I get it. I get it. I get it's a pipe dream to have that type of success in a fun business like comedy. I get it. But the difference between you and I, sir, is that we're both on the ground level looking up at a 30,000 foot sheer cliff that I have to now climb. And you are looking at that cliff and that climb and saying there is no fucking way I can do that. And then you walk away. Me, I'm saying I'm at least doing it. I'm at least trying it. I am going to try to get up to the top of that motherfucking cliff until I can't anymore. Because then if I fail, at least I know I failed because I tried. 
but I do not want to go to my deathbed or my grave and say, fuck, I wish I tried that. I wish I tried that. Doing stand-up, being funny, motivating people, trying to open people's eyes through comedy, through jokes to, made it, to maybe make them see things in a different light, I think that's my wheelhouse. That's what I want to do. You know, I think I can do it. I really do. But I know that it's going to take a lot of fucking work. I get it. It's going to take a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. I get it. It could take the next 20 years of my life. I get it. And I could spend the next 20 years of my life striving to get there, and I might never get there. But what a strange, crazy, great fucking trip it'll be, right? That is the difference I see between myself and a lot of the other people I know is I do not give a fuck how hard or difficult you think my dreams are to obtain. It does not mean that I am not going to try to obtain them. Too many years in my life, I was talked out of shit that I wanted to do because it was a pipe dream, because it was dangerous. And I have fucking resentment for that now. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. I could have gotten my start in stand-up 30 years ago, 25 years ago. I talked about it recently when I was living in Charleston, South Carolina. There's a comedian who's now killing it named Dusty Slay. He was just starting out, and he was in my group of friends, and now the guy is killing it. He was just on David Spade. He's on Kimmel. He's got a special coming out, right? Dusty Slay. I started out in the same city at the, in, 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 I could have started out in the same city at the same time in his group of friends as Dusty Slight, and I didn't. My head was too far up my ass, and I was conditioned since a kid to think that any job that was, um, that was, that paid really well, like acting or comedy or any of it, was just an unattainable fucking pipe dream. And if everybody thought that way, right, nobody would do it. And I know I talk about Bill Burr a lot. And why do I talk about Bill Burr so much? Why? Because, you know, I'm a musician as well. I play the guitar. It's my prime instrument. And there's absolutely bands and musicians, right, that influenced me to pick up a guitar. If there was one guitar player that I could sit down with today and just talk to and jam with, you know who it would be? Adam Jones. Adam Jones. He is the guitar player of Tool. That is the guitar player that I would most want to sit down with and just fucking jam out, okay? When it comes to comedy and stand-up and podcasting, all of that shit, if there's one guy just like Adam Jones for the music that I look up to, it's Bill Burr. Bill Burr and I come from the exact same state. We come from the same kind of family. We have the same mindset, the same thinking. We're, we are a lot alike. And I'm a lot like Adam Jones in, in my style of writing and playing. And that's why I look up to him. You know, every Tool song that comes out is like a song that I would have written for my band. And that's why I love Tool Adam Jones, because it's my favorite shit, and it's like something I would want to write. And when I look at Bill Burr, and I look at his bits and his stand-up, it's like, fuck, I wish I wrote that. If there's one guy that I look up to in this business above everyone else, it's Bill Burr. Right? 
Bill Burr didn't move down to New York City from Massachusetts to, to try stand-up until he was in his 30s. He, he, he got a late start. He was, he was, uh, he was working at a, at a factory, I want to say, in Worcester, Mass., which is kind of halfway between me and Boston. Uh, he was driving a forklift. And, um, you know, they'd, they'd, they would get out of work. They'd watch these comedy specials on HBO. And they'd be like, eh, we're, you know, I'm funnier than these guys. I feel the same way. There are certain comics I see that have specials right now, either on Netflix or Comedy Central. And I'm trying to enjoy it or laugh, and I can't. And I think to myself, okay, if this guy is on Netflix or Comedy Central and they have a special and they're killing it with this material, wait till they hear my shit. And that's just it. I don't do any of my stand-up on on this podcast. Neither does Burr. Neither does any comic. So I've had people that know that I'm trying to get in the stand-up listen to the show and be like, eh, it's not really funny. It's not supposed to. Listen to Bill Burr's podcast. It's not really that funny. He's just talking like I'm talking, kind of ranting about shit. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's a fucking fantastic comedian. Both of his specials on Netflix are fucking fantastic. But his podcast is not funny. It's just informational, okay? There's a difference, okay? So so that's just it. If you're listening to this show and you know me or you think you know me and you think you know what my stand-up's going to be like, you have fucking no idea. You're not going to see me coming, and that's what I love about it. I have all these people in my life that really think they know me, and they really think they know the level of my tenacity, and I'm telling you, you fucking people do not. Every person that tells me that I'm not a comedian and that they think I'm just chasing this pipe dream, it, seriously, it just fuels me more. I am not going to give up. And that is the difference I see between me and other people. If, if right now I decided that I want to go to Mars, I am going to figure out a fucking way that I get to Mars. I know it sounds crazy. We can't get to how, how the hell are you going to? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, sir. I don't know how or when or if I will ever become a well-known writer, comedian, actor, podcaster. I don't know, but I am fucking trying, aren't I? And I'm not going to stop trying until I either die or I make it. And that is the difference. I see how hard it is to get there. I do. That does not mean that I'm not going to try. And I hope you feel the same way. If there was anything out there that you have ever wanted to do, if you never tried doing it, that's your only sure way that you're going to fail. If I don't try to do this, I'm guaranteed to fail. So I would rather fail trying than fail having never tried. And I just wish that I had the wherewithal, the balls, and the support, and I could have pulled my head out of my ass when I was 20 or 25 or 30 and started doing this a long time ago because it would have been a lot easier. It would have been a lot easier starting my stand-up career at 20, 25, or even 30. Why? Because I was younger. And I was around really funny fucking people, too, who are now scattered throughout the country and are married with kids and their headspace is not in the same headspace mine is in me i'm single 
I date, but I am not married. I came real fucking close, had my heart ripped out of my chest, and I don't know if I'll ever trust another woman again to put a ring on her finger. That's another story. Um, don't have any kids that I know of, right? So I'm 41 years old. I feel fucking great. I look fucking great. I'm in one of the best moods of my entire life, despite there being drama all around me, and there is nothing holding me here. I am not married, and I do not have kids, which means that I have free reign. Did I want to get married and have kids? Well, fuck yeah, I did. But that's not how life worked out. So I find myself being as single and free as I was when I was 20. And now that I'm at this age, and now that I feel like my eyes are wide open, that I can just see the world and I can see the path more clearly than I ever have before, I'm giving it a fucking go. I am. Because like I said, there's only one surefire way I know how to fail. And that's by not trying it. It's been my dream to entertain people, to make people laugh and smile, regardless of how much fame or money I have. And I am not going to stop this endeavor until I could sustain myself doing comedy, whether it's writing it, performing it, or producing it. Any of those aspects... Even if I were to get a, a, you know, a small acting role in some, you know, drama movies, I'm fine with that. I fucking love acting. I really do. Why I didn't get into any of this shit when I was younger, I was just going to say I'll never know, but I do know. I didn't go after any of these pipe dreams when I was a kid because I was talked out of it. I was said there, I was told by everyone in my life that there was no fucking way that could ever happen. And now I know why. I know that if you don't try something, you're definitely guaranteed to fucking fail it. And that is my point. And that is why I am so adamant when I talk to kids and when I talk to parents of kids to support your kids no matter how wild their dream is. And I'm not trying to say I had bad parents. I had, I had two of the greatest parents on this planet. Okay? I'm not trying to put blame on them. Okay? So don't even go there. That's not my point in this. I am just saying that, you know, kids, especially when they're going through puberty or they're in high school or they're in college or even in their 20s, they don't know who the fuck they are or what they want. I didn't. I wanted to figure everything out and discover the world for myself. And while I was doing that, my head was so far up my ass um, that I was letting people actually talk me out of shit. I let people talk me out of uh, wanting to be a police officer. And then when I finally said, you know what, I'm not letting people talk me out of shit anymore, and I tried to become a police officer, I came as close as you can get uh, to working in the same city I was born and raised in as a police officer. And I took the statewide testing, went through all the, uh, all the interviews and all that, and it came down to seven people. There was seven finalists. We had one last uh, interview in front of the mayor, the chief of police, detectives, you know, city council people, all that stuff. And out of the seven people, they hired three of us. They hired two women and a man. And the man that got hired, um, he was hired over me because he had a bachelor's degree in criminal justice, and I did not. And he also had military experience. 
and then the women that were hired automatically get more points because they're women, which is labeled as a minority. They also had degrees in criminal justice, and they came out of the military. Nowadays, I think they'll hire a police officer right off the street without having any of that stuff. But back in 2003, 2004, in this city, it was probably never more popular to be a police officer. Now it's like nobody wants to do it anymore. So now they'll take anybody without, even if you don't have the right mindset to be a police officer. So that's my point. I think if back when I was 18 or 20, when I really wanted to be a cop, if I actually went to college for it and then applied, I think I would have got in. And if I had gotten in back in 03, uh, the same kid that was two years younger than me that got hired, he's still there. And he's been a detective now for the last five years. So it just goes to show you that if things went a little bit differently, in 2003, I would have became a police officer here in this city, and I would be working there still as a police officer, and I would have been a detective for the last seven years, maybe even the lead detective in this city. Imagine that. My life would probably look so different right now if I had been hired, because I would have been a cop for the last 16 years, and a detective right now, making bank and I would probably be married with kids, too, with a beautiful home here. But that's not how it worked out. I didn't get the job. And a few weeks later, I got the offer to move down to Charleston, South Carolina with a couple of friends. And I went. And at the time, I was bartending. And I was really interested in maybe having a career being a bar manager or owning my own bar or restaurant. And that's what I focused on in Charleston. When what I should have been doing since day one was doing stand-up. Especially when I went down to Charleston. Because I could have got my start with some really funny fucking people. Which definitely helps when you got funny people in your life when you're working on bits. And I could have started off with Dusty Slay. Who's now literally slaying it in the comedy game. So yeah, when you get to this point in your life, hindsight is always twenty twenty, And you look back on your life and say, why the fuck didn't I do that? Or why didn't I do this? And I don't like having those regrets. And I don't want anyone to hit my age that's younger and be like, well, why didn't I do that? And I don't know. I don't know if there was something that somebody could have done differently when I was smaller other than not talking me out of things that seemed dangerous or seemed too out of reach for me because they didn't want to um, see me crushed. And I get that, but I don't agree with it. If your kid wants to be an astronaut, even if you think it's going to be impossible for them to become an astronaut, say, you go, honey, you be an astronaut and you fucking support them. That's all I'm saying. Introduce your kids to everything the world has to offer so that when it's time for them to go off to school, they might know what they want to do. I don't think anyone did that for me. And if they did, they didn't do it loud enough or I was just too stupid, but I didn't get it. But I'm adamant about that now. Because if I had a time machine, there are so many things I would do differently. There really would be. All right, people, I just had to pause the podcast because uh, you've probably noticed it before. You can call me Johnny Weakbladder, but I drink a lot of coffee. And I told you the other day, I went from a uh, I went from a light roast to a medium roast. And oh, my God, it's so delicious. But what happens? What happens when you drink a lot of coffee besides getting really talkative and excited like me is you have to pee. And I've definitely noticed 
there is some things to getting older. And one of the things to getting older is you definitely pee more. Your bladder becomes a little weaker. Fuck, man. I remember when I was in my 20s, I could drink like 10 beers, right? And I could probably hold my piss for 10 hours. Now, I have a cup of coffee and I feel the need to piss and I got to go. I can't hold it. I'm going to piss myself, right? <laughs> but anyways, um, this show turned out nothing like we talked about in pre-production. Me and myself, right? And then uh, that last little rant there about knowing what you want to do from a young age. I probably went too far with that. Probably repeated myself 50 times, but I hope you get the point. My point is if, is if you have kids and they want to do something with their lives, even if you think it's dangerous or it's unattainable, fucking support them, would you? Please? It's their life. It's what they want to do. I have one tattoo on my body. Okay? I have one tattoo. And you know what that tattoo says? It's actually written in Chinese. I'm sorry, it's written in Japanese. And it says happiness. And why do I have Japanese letters or a Japanese word that says happiness tattooed on my shoulder? Because that's all I've ever wanted in my life was just to be happy. That's it. That's all I am looking for. I know having a career being a podcaster, a producer, a comedy writer, a comedy talk show host, or any kind of talk show, uh, uh, an, an XM radio show, like a, like a Howard Stern type thing, or an Opie and Anthony, or a, a, a Jim Norton type deal. Anything like that, I will take, and I would be happier than a pig in shit. And I don't need to make millions of dollars either. I'd be happy with a fucking... Just over a six-figure salary, which I don't think is asking a lot, especially if you're living in L.A. or New York City, right? That's probably fucking pocket change, right? I don't care about the fame. I don't care about the money. I just want to wake up every day happy. And it does not matter how many material possessions I have, the, the number in my bank account. I just want to wake up happy. And I know unequivocally that if I am working at a job in the entertainment business like I'm trying to obtain right now, that I am going to spend the rest of my life waking up happy, regardless of who's in my bed, how many, sh how many fucking Ferraris are in my uh, you know, garage, and how much money is my bank account. I've only wanted to be happy. In my entire life, I've been working at jobs that did not make me happy just because I had to bring home a paycheck to fucking pay the bills. And that's sad. I'm 41 years old, and I have never, ever, ever, ever had a job that I woke up in the morning and said, I can't fucking wait to go do that. And that's sad. It's sad. There were jobs 
that I went after and wanted to go after as a kid that would have brought me happiness. But like I said, I was I allowed myself to be steered and talked out of every fucking single one of them. And that's what I'm hoping that doesn't happen to you or your kid. That's all my point is. I don't want you or your kid to hit the age I'm at and be like, why the fuck didn't I do that when I was younger? Because that's exactly where I'm at right now. I believe unequivocally with all my heart that if I went into the stand-up game when I was 20, 25, or even 30, that I would be light years down the road from where I am right now. And I didn't have the courage or the wherewithal or whatever you fuck to call it to start doing this somehow until I hit 41. That's what it took. After standing, like I was talking about earlier, after standing my whole life at the base of that mountain, looking up at what I know my happiness level will be at the top of that mountain, I've been standing and looking at that mountain, right? My whole life while I've had people standing next to me saying, don't do it. Don't you fucking do it. You know how long that climb is? You could fall. You could hurt yourself. You could not make it. And I've been fucking listening to them. But now I am fully scaling that mountain, not paying attention to the people that think I'm not going to make it because I don't care anymore and you're not holding me back. And that is the biggest regret that I can say unequivocally sitting here right now talking to you. No bullshit. Okay. My biggest regret in my life is not doing what the fuck I wanted to do when I wanted to do it for work when I was younger. I let people steer me and talk me out of it. And that's what aggravates me. I really, really wish I chased after these dreams half a lifetime ago. But now I'm chasing after it at 41. And I don't know if I'm going to get there. I don't. But fucking A if I'm not going to try. After I was held back half of my adult life. So that's all I'm trying to say. If you have young kids or kids that don't know what they want to do, introduce them to anything and everything possible and see what gets them excited. Okay? Because there is more to this life than going to school to see how much money you can make. Is money important? Well, fuck yeah, it is, right? But you know what's more important to me than money? It always has been, is my happiness. If I'm happy, I don't care if I'm homeless. I probably wouldn't be happy if I was homeless. But fuck, if I'm happy, I'll be homeless. That's all I've ever cared about is being happy, right? And for the first time in my life, I am chasing my happiness for me. And I'm not giving a fuck what anyone else thinks about my dreams anymore. How unattainable they might be. Or how moving to Los Angeles is such a bad, big, scary idea. Where am I going to go? What, I'm going to move down to Jacksonville, Florida, right? Because it's a big stand-up community out there, right? That's where all the movies are made, right? Fucking Jacksonville, Florida. Well, you could move to New York City. Well, yeah, I guess I could. I would be closer to home, right? Considering I'm from the Boston area, move down to New York City. But you know what, sir? I can't deal with cold. I can't. I'm tired of cold weather. I can't deal with it. I've dealt with cold and snow and shit my whole life. I understand L.A. is clogged with every other fucking person like me that thinks they're going to fucking move out there and be fucking Sylvester Stallone, right? But that's the difference. 
I don't think or know I'm going to be Sylvester Stallone. All I know is that if I don't try it and I don't move to the biggest market in the world for entertainment, I'm guaranteed to fail. And I am just so sorry that I had to uh, bitch to this about you and uh, even more sorry that I didn't chase after this a long time ago. I let too many people talk me out of it. Too many people. No longer. And the more people continue to tell me, you know how hard it is what you're doing? Yes, I get it. I get it. Not only do I have to be talented as fuck, but I'm going to have to eat balls for years and years and years. Nobody gives a shit about Johnny Drip right now. Nobody. I get it. It's a long, tough fucking mountain to climb, right? But just like Dewey Cox said, I'm going to walk hard up to the top of that mountain. Oh, yeah. I'm going to walk hard, real fucking hard. It's a long way to the top of that mountain, but I'm walking hard, okay? And I'm not giving up. Sorry. I get it. I get it's a uh, it's a big thing, right? Everybody wants to be wet Hollywood, right? Hollywood fucking this that Justin fucking Bieber. No. I could give a shit about Hollywood or Justin Bieber or the money or the fame. It just happens I it just happens to be that the job I want, you know, does come with some fame and fortune. Great. I could I, I could leave any of it. All I want to do is just do something fun that I enjoy for a living. And I've always known, but didn't have the fucking balls because of how many people were yelling at me not to, to do comedy. And at 41, I finally broke free of that shit. And I think it took me hitting what would be referred to as a midlife crisis. There is something about it. I've read about it. I've heard about it. I don't even know if this is a midlife crisis. Right? I don't even know if a midlife crisis is a real fucking thing. But something definitely happens around the midpoint of your life where you just, your eyes become wide open. You ever heard of that, like, theoretical third eye that's, like, in the middle of your, uh, like, you know, uh, forehead? Like a sixth sense? I feel like that eye, like this summer, on me, just was opened. Where for some reason I understand the world for what it is. I see through people's bullshit. I see my path mapped out clearly. Something happened this summer where I just literally woke up. My whole life and outlook and attitude just changed like that. And that's why I'm no longer listening to people, even people that love and care about me. I'm sorry. This is a dream I have to chase. No matter how unfucking attainable you think it is, sir, or ma'am, or whoever you are, there are people out there who legitimately want me to fail. Which is another uh, thing I can't figure out. There's people out there that I call friends of mine that, you know, I think, you know, generally they would 
you know, they would support me. Yeah, yeah, if you make it, great, you know, have fun. But I fucking know, I fucking know in the back of their mind or in private, they're being like, there's no fucking way he's going to make it. There's just no fucking way he's going to do it. I tell you, I can feel you doing that. And I tell you, keep doing it because it, it fucking fuels me. It really does. The more people, after all these years of wanting to climb that mountain, that continue to tell me how high the mountain is and how difficult it is, I get it, okay? But you're not going to stop me. I'm not going to stop. I am going to continue chasing this dream no matter how bad people say I suck or that it can't or won't happen. Sorry, maybe that's your life, sir. But that's not how I've been. I don't give a fuck how big the obstacle is that's in front of me. If I want what's on the other side, I'm going to tackle that obstacle. You might not, sir, okay? But that's you. That's not me. And too often, I've been putting other people's feelings, even about me, ahead of me. And that's, that's done. My happiness is no longer for sale. My happiness is, my happiness being dictated is now off the table for anyone to fucking discuss. This is my dream job or dream jobs, and I am not stopping until I've obtained it or died. That's just how it is. So fucking deal with it, okay? And that's exactly how you need to be in your life. Is there anything that you've ever wanted to do or ever wanted to be that everyone said there's no fucking way that you can do that? Go out there and prove them wrong. Anything worth doing is difficult and it's hard. I get it. But if I don't try it, folks, I am guaranteed to never get it. Uh, am I wrong? Right? Let's say a football team is down by, uh, you know, six points, right? And, and, and they need a touchdown. And there's one second left. And they're on the one-yard line. They have to go 99 yards in one last play to score a touchdown. Are they going to try or are they just going to take a knee and said, you know what? That's fucking impossible. They're going to try. And sometimes they make it right. Do you think Bill Burr would ever be where he is living the fucking dream? He is if he never had the balls to move down to New York City, if he doubted himself or if he had uh, any family or friends saying, you know what, dude? You're going to move down to New York City. It's going to be expensive. You're leaving behind a good job. You're leaving behind your family. You're not funny. Uh, you know, making it in the comedy world is like hitting the lottery 50 times over. If he had listened to those people, look, he would have never had what he had. What if, what if Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, anybody, even fucking Pee Wee Herman, I don't give a shit. What if they said, you know what I'm saying? No, what if Donald Trump said, you're right, I could never become president and he never ran, right? Then we wouldn't have the shit show we have now, right? Every one of us face obstacles and mountains to climb, no matter what we do. But I, I, honest to God, if you look at how, you know, tough it is to get somewhere and, and you just back down from it, then you automatically have failed. And for too long, I have listened to people tell me about how high the mountain is and about how fucking impossible it is. And I've listened to it. And I'm just sorry that it took me this long to finally say, fuck you people. I get how big the mountain is. It doesn't mean I'm not going to try climbing it.
because I know that's where true happiness lies for me. I know that doing that type of work is going to make me happy every day going to work. And I will no longer work at a job, no matter what it is or how much money it is that I don't enjoy. Life is too fucking short. I am never again going to log on to a computer or drive to a job where I'm sick to my stomach and I don't want to be there. And that's pretty much every job I've ever fucking had. I've only had all the jobs I've had in my life because I had to have a paycheck. Never had a job that I really liked or enjoyed. Because every job that I knew I would love or enjoy, I was talked out of because people around me thought it was impossible for me. And that's why I'm so fired up about it to this day. Is I don't give a fuck how impossible my dreams seem to you, sir. If I don't attempt it, I am guaranteed to fail. And my biggest regret is not fucking realizing that until I hit 41. But you have a front row seat, folks. You have a front row seat to watching a an old man, a boomer. You hear about that? That's what kids uh, call old people now. Or people my age, right? 40. I'm old. They call us boomers. They're like, yeah, whatever, boomer. Yeah, whatever, boomer. Do they even know what a boomer is? A boomer is short for a baby boomer. You know when the baby boomer generation stopped? I think the baby boomer generation stopped in the 60s. I mean, I'm Generation X, and I only missed the millennial cutoff by, like, what, four years? And I'm 41. I'm Generation X, baby. And, you know, even somebody in their mid-50s, they're Generation X. The baby boomers are now, like, in their mid-60s, early 70s at the very earliest. So, I don't know if kids are calling all people boomers or that's just their word for, you know, like we used to call, um, God, when I was childish and a child, uh, you know, old people, we used to call them Q-tips, right? Because they'd had, like, the, the every old woman has, like, the white hair that's shaped like a Q-tip. So we used to call them Q-tip heads, right? The old ladies with the white fucking bun hair or whatever it's called look like a Q-tip, right? So is that the new word for old people, boomers? Yeah, whatever, boomer. <laughs> Anyways, I talked way longer than I planned. That's nothing new. But anyways, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, what's going on? Uh, what's going on tonight? What is tonight? Nothing's going on tonight. Thursday night football, right? <laughs> Who's playing Thursday night football? I don't even know. I really don't. I haven't been in the sports mindset yet today. Even though my fantasy football team is doing fantastic. I'm in a 10-team fantasy league this year. Uh, winner take all. I can't remember how much we're playing for. But there's a three-way tie at the top of the standings. And my team is in that three-way tie. There's three teams that are 14-4 and four in my fantasy league. And my team is one of them. So yeah, I'll be putting together my fantasy lineman. Uh, my... Ugh. I can't talk. I'll be putting together my fantasy football lineup when I finish this uh, recording. But anyways, that's all the time that you have and that I have for today, right? I'll get to the shit I didn't get to tonight on the next cast, which will be Monday. But uh, I hope everyone is swell. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. 
I hope you have a great weekend. And uh, yeah, that's it. We'll talk to you later. loading and unloading of passengers only. There's no stopping in the white zone. No, the white zone is for loading and unloading, and there is no stopping in the red zone. The red zone has always been for loading and unloading. There's never stopping in a white zone. Don't tell me which zone is for stopping and which zone is for loading. Listen, Betty, don't start up with your white zone shit again.